So as we look at these scriptures uh, this morning, I'd like to start with our first reading from Exodus and work our way through. In, in this first reading from Exodus, this is Exodus chapter 32. So we have this conversation happening between right, God and Moses. And this conversation, we got to understand first the context of the scriptures. It's always important to understand not just what we're reading, but to understand Exodus, you got to understand uh, the Old Testament, to understand Old Testament, you got to understand the New Testament, understand the New Testament, right? We got to do all the context. So just a little bit of context in the scriptures. <clears throat> Moses, as you know, if you know the story of Moses and how he was called by God, he didn't want the job. Like he didn't want to go and speak to Pharaoh and work on getting Israel free from slavery in Egypt. And he says, I don't know how to speak. And God says, well, your brother Aaron I'll help, will help you. I'll send your brother Aaron to help you to speak, okay? And so what happens? <laughs> They end up doing it, right? And Moses is chosen and called by God to work with the people of Israel, to work with God and to deliver them from slavery in Egypt to move toward the promised land. And so to understand, Moses wasn't a guy that was like, oh, great at speaking about this and doing this. But then in this gospel or in this Exodus story that we hear today in chapter 32, Moses is talking very boldly to God. And so this guy who was at once not so talkative or wanting to talk or speak up, now he's speaking to Almighty God in a very strong and bold way. And it's almost like the sense I get in the scripture, it's almost like God is seeing if, how Moses has grown from being a timid person to a very bold, bold intercessor. Someone who stands in the gap between God and his people. So listen, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once to the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt. They are depraved. They've turned aside from the way I pointed out and make themselves a molten calf. They're worshiping it, sacrificing to it, crying out, This is our God. I see how stiff-necked this people is, said the Lord. Let me alone. God says, Let me alone that my wrath may blaze up against them and consume them. Then I will make of you a great nation. And then Moses responds to God. Now what's God trying to say to us in this scripture? God's calling you and I to be like Moses. And in the second reading we read about how Saul became Paul, if you will. Paul saying, I'm, I was a blasphemer. Uh, you know, I was basically, I was not worthy of this ministry. I was killing Christians. I was having them arrested. So we have Paul and we have Moses in these two readings, both saying, who am I to do this? I can't do this. And God meets them where they are. And they begin to live out their call. So what I want you to hear here is, you're all called to be like Moses. We're called to be in the gap between God and His people. To ask God, Lord, please bless my family. Please bless those in my family that have wandered and are astray, that are depraved, as it says in the scripture today. That have fallen away from God and the church and just left everything and they're off, like the, like the prodigal son story, they're off wasting their lives and spending their life on a life of dissipation and sin. And God's called us. And so you might feel like you're not qualified. 
Well, Moses felt he wasn't qualified. Paul, even himself, was like, I'm not, how, why should God call me? Like, I was arresting and killing Christians. Who am I? But Moses surrendered to his call. Paul surrendered to the call of God. You have a call on your life. You're called like Paul and Moses in our first and second reading to stand before God, to plead before God, to offer sacrifices for our family and friends that have wandered and strayed that are lost. God is calling you. Now, you might feel powerless. Like, how can I, you know, like say it's a struggle in your marriage or your family or your workplace or with your kids, uh, with your aunts, uncles, cousins, I don't know. Wherever you're struggling, maybe it's with a sickness and you feel powerless. You feel, I'm not qualified to do this. I don't know how to handle this situation. Well, you're in good company. Moses felt the same thing. Paul felt the same thing. All the saints felt the same thing. Here on this altar, I have a first class relic here. This is a first class relic of, uh, a first class relic for those who don't know is the bones or part of the body of the saint. So this is a first class relic of Mother Teresa. She was just made a saint just the other day, canonized. If you, saint, or Pope Francis lifted her to the altars of becoming a saint. Mother Teresa, small little woman. She was like really small, like probably about that tall. I mean, she was little. And look what she did. Do you think she felt powerless? Do you think she felt like she was qualified for the job? Mother Teresa knew that she needed daily to plead before God. Give me the grace. Give me the strength. So listen, God doesn't call the qualified. He equips those he calls. God doesn't call the qualified. He equips those he calls. Do you think... I always like, you know, when I was, I was telling the last mass, I said, you know, when I was in college, I was terrified to speak in front of people. <laughs> and I didn't talk much. Now I talk too much, huh? <laughs> I was terrified. I remember in school, like, I'd have to have everything written in front of me, and I would like cling to the paper because I have to read it sentence for word for word. God didn't call me to be a priest because I was qualified. He called me because he would equip me to do what I need to do when I need to do it. And so that's how he's calling you. You can't rely on just your intuition and your natural ideas because it's going to get in the way of the supernatural power of God that wants to move upon your lives. God wants to move upon you like he moved on Moses, like he moved on Paul, like he moved on Mother Teresa, like he's moving on me. He's moving on us and he needs us. We are the church. We are the army of God. We are the people that need to go out, go and announce the gospel. That's what we hear at the end of Mass. Get out of here and announce the gospel. Maybe we should change it. Like, get your butts out of here and announce the gospel. God wants us to go out. Get out there. Pope Francis says, get out in the world and make a mess. Like, get out there. 
We can't clock in and clock out. So I like to think, you know, it's not a good thing, but sometimes we have this attitude as, as Catholics or Christians that we come into Mass, we clock in, meaning we put our hands in the holy water, and then once we're done with Mass, we clock out. And then next week, we don't tell anyone about Jesus. We don't share our faith much. We just kind of go through the motions. We're a part of the world system again. Then we come back to church. We clock in for a little bit. And then we clock out. This is my challenge for you this week. Moses didn't want to talk about things to Pharaoh. Because he knew Pharaoh wouldn't be the most favorable person. We all have people that God's put in our lives. I can't reach everyone. You can't reach everyone. But together, we can reach a lot of people. So Moses was willing to stand before God and say, God, I need, we need to stick with the people. We need to pray. I'm praying to them, God. I'm praying for these people. Moses could have said, yeah, burn them all up, man. But make me number one. I don't need these people. But that wasn't his attitude. Nor was it Paul's attitude or Mother Teresa's attitude. Nor is it my attitude. And I know it's not your attitude. So we need to embrace the call of God. Number one, God does not call those who are qualified, he equips those he calls. So he's wanting to move on your life and equip you to minister to the people in your proximity. There's people you're going to meet that I'll never meet. There's people that I'll meet that you'll never meet. We need all to be all in. Not one foot in and one foot out or clocking in and clocking out. I want you to think about this. If you want to see your faith life come alive, this week, I want you to tell somebody something you learned here at Mass. Talk about your faith to others. Tell somebody about Jesus this week. Tell somebody about your experience of God. Tell someone about your relationship with Jesus. And you should feel a little uncomfortable because there's a part of you that doesn't want to. That's how Moses felt. Don't be afraid to feel uncomfortable. I always like to say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because that's how God wants to move in our lives. Now, let's look at our second reading today. This is Paul's letter that we just heard to Timothy, chapter 1 of Paul. Just briefly, what's Paul's first lines in this letter? Listen, he says, I'm grateful to him who strengthened me. I'm grateful to him who strengthened me. Paul knows my power, Jesus says, my power, Paul, is made perfect. Where? In weakness. Where do you feel weak? Do you know where you feel weak? Is where you're most powerful with God. But what's the world teach us? Hide your weakness. Don't tell anyone about your weakness. Pretend you're strong. And then we come into the church with that attitude and we're not vulnerable before God. No wonder we don't experience God because the world teaches us your weakness is bad. Don't, don't share your weakness. Hide it. Cover it. Put on a mask. Put on a mask. And you come into church and Jesus, the first thing he says to do with the beginning of mass, take off your masks. I want to see your wounds. I want to see your weakness. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We pray that. What are we saying? I'm wounded. And like I said, this is not a house of saints. This is a hospital for sinners. You have enlisted or been brought into God's treatment center. 
We all need treatment because we're in a big AA meeting right now. We start off mass right away. Hi, my name's Michael. I'm a sinner. If you can't acknowledge you're a sinner, you don't need a savior. There's no, there's no need for a savior if you don't have any sins. But the world teaches us, don't acknowledge your weakness, don't acknowledge your wounds, don't acknowledge your sins, hide them, put on a mask. And we need to be people that go out into the world. You know why Pope Francis said make a mess? Because when you start sharing vulnerably how you've let Jesus into your own brokenness, guess what it's going to do to the people around you? They're going to start wanting to open their vulnerable brokenness to the Lord. You know how you witness? You just simply be who you are. Be, don't be afraid to be broken. We are broken together. And so Paul's saying, thank you. I am grateful. And then listen, he says, Grace, indeed, the grace of the Lord has been abundant. Been what? What? The grace of the Lord has been abundant along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Full acceptance. Listen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Powerful. Powerful. And there's another area in Scripture, many areas, where Paul says, boast in your weakness. Boast in your weakness. Is that a message we're going to hear out in the world? No. Not, definitely not. We want to boast in our weakness. Meaning what? We are allowed to be weak because He is strong and He'll overcome. Look what He did to Moses. Look what He did to Paul. Look what He did to me. Look what He did to Mother Teresa. And look what He's doing to you right now as you're listening to Him talk to you. He's talking to you right now at this Mass. Listen. Open your ears. And don't let your mind convince you like, oh, this is great. We're going to clock out at the end and I'm going to go back to my normal life. That's your choice. You don't have to do that. The world's strong and it'll pull you in back into that dead system where you get up, you go to bed, you get up, you go to bed, you go to work, you come home, you watch TV, you get up, you go to bed, you eat, you go to bed, you get up, you go out and do this, you go out and do that. That's boring. I don't want to live that way. And you don't have to live that way. God has an amazing plan for our lives. Jeremiah 29. For I know well the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, not for your woe. Now listen. He says, listen. But for this reason. Oh, I missed a line. He says, of these I am foremost. Meaning, I am a sinner. Of these I'm foremost. He says, listen. He says, I was ignorant in my belief. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, arrogant. God came into the world to save sinners. Of these I'm foremost. For this reason, the Lord says, for this reason I was mercifully treated, Paul says, so that in me as the foremost Christ Jesus might display all his patience. Look how patient God was with Moses. How patient is God with you right now? He's amazingly patient. The kindness of God breaks open and converts our hearts. Look at Mother Teresa. She didn't. Mother Teresa wasn't born from her mother's womb with a blue and white habit on. She didn't come out of the womb with like a tiara on. Say, hey, I'm Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, she wasn't like thinking, hey, one day all over the world they're going to be talking about me in all the churches and thinking about all the work I've done. She didn't think like that. We're not doing this so that others will recognize. We're doing this because, my gosh, look how He loves us. We want to do this. And now let's just go over to our gospel. 
We're going to go to our gospel today. In our gospel, Jesus tells three stories. One is the first story is the story of the uh, 99 sheep that he has and the ones lost. So he goes, what one, what one among you would have 99 and leave the 99 to go after the one? Now in the world's vision, if you were from the world and you're of the world and in the world and you're of the world and you bought into the world's vision, you'd have to be dumb to leave 99 to go after one that's gone. Forget that. I got 99. I don't need that one. It's a bad business choice. No one in the mind and set of the world will be, I'm going to leave 99 and perhaps lose them more. Forget those. You know, I'm going to go after the one. No one would say, yeah, that's a good decision business-wise. But what is... You got to understand God's mind and heart. How many of you, like, let's say you have five kids, and you're like, one's lost. Well, I got four more, whatever. Let one go. <laughs> Is that how you would think? Like, ah, oh, I got four more kids, no worries, wherever that one's at, no big deal. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Because you love. You can't treat the world, we can't treat each other like a business adventure. Your souls will be in heaven or hell forever. We have family members that will be in heaven and hell forever. We can't treat one lost soul like it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's such a big deal that God sent His only Son into the world to suffer horribly and die for that one soul. And we can't sit back clocking in, clocking out, and we know something that maybe others in the world don't know about how He loves, and we're not telling anyone about it. It's time that we go out, get out there, and bring some family. Just invite your family. Say, hey, I'd like you to come. Will you be, would you like to come to church this week? Or I do these ablazes, you know. The, uh, September 30th, we're going to have our first ablaze here at St. Gerald's. And it's a great way to bring people that maybe have fallen away. It's a great way to connect them back to the Lord. These are just ways that we can do this, okay? And then listen, he, then, the, then there's the next story he tells. A woman lost a coin in her house. And she started ripping everything apart, looking for a coin, turning stuff upside down, looking for a coin. Now imagine this. You lost, say, a nickel or a quarter in your house. Would you go to the extent of like turning everything over to find that coin and look for it? After a while, I'd be like, it's a quarter, forget it, I'm, I'm done with it. But this woman, imagine if you found a nickel in your house and you called all your family and friends and said, you're going to believe it, I found my nickel, let's have a party, come on over. Everyone would be like, Are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> right? What's that story trying to say to us? It's saying... God values you. The world might see you as cheap and expendable. You're not expendable. You're not invaluable. You're of inestimable value. He died for you. If you were the only one on earth, He would have died for you. So God's saying, I am, as St. Catherine of Siena would say, Pazzo Amore. I'm crazy in love with you. I am so in love with you. <laughs> I'm a divine madman, God says. I'm in madly in love with you. When you're in love, you do dumb things. 
or at least the world would say it's dumb. But God's saying, I'm going to do things. I'm going to come after you. I'm seeking you out. And then that slides us right into the prodigal son story. What's happened? The young son goes off and spends all his inheritance on stupid things. And he comes to his senses and he's like, I got to go back. I don't have any food. I'm eating with the pigs now. Like, I don't have anything to eat. Maybe my dad will just take me back as a servant or slave. And he decides to go back home. What do you think that walk home was like for that son? That just wasted his whole inheritance. If you blew your whole life savings, first of all, you asked for it and your dad gave it to you and he worked his whole life for it. And you just blew it on stupid things. And now you're going to go back and say, well, maybe he'll just take me as a servant or slave. So he's walking home. Let's say the deacon's the father. Every day the father's running out looking for his son that's lost. And I'm walking home. I'm the, I'm the prodigal son. I'm walking home. And I see my dad come running out. What am I thinking? Oh, crap. And what am I going to do? I'm like, should I take off? Because he's going to beat, beat me down, right? So I, I go this way. Like, There's this, probably this wrestling match. How many of you felt this way? Maybe going to confession. You're like, I should go. But like, man, I can't tell him this. I can't say this. And we were like, feel this struggle inside of us. And God's like, he's running out toward us. And we think he's out to get us, but he's out to embrace us. He wants to embrace us. What's he do? Puts a ring on his finger. Kills the fatty calf, throws a big party. And, and how many of you ever played hide and go seek? You know, we played hide and go seek, right? How many of you have hid and not been found? And after a while, you're like, start making noise so hopefully someone finds you. <laughs> Nobody likes to be hidden for an hour in a closet. Because it stinks just sitting there. There's nothing to do, right? We want to be found, don't we? The older and the younger son and the prodigal son want to be found. Moses wanted to be found. We want to be found. Our family members and friends that are lost in the world, they want to be found. We are designed by God to be found. The heart of the spiritual life, listen, the heart of the spiritual life is letting yourself be found. If you let yourself be found, you'll experience joy, happiness, peace, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You'll experience Jesus Christ. You'll want to go out and tell others, look what I found and look who found me. Let me tell you, you bring people in so that they can be found. This church is where we bring people so they can be found. Let the lost be found. Let the dead come back to life. Alright? And then just finally, the older son. What did the older son do after he see this exchange between the younger son and the father embracing and throwing this party? The older son's working so hard out in the field. He's working, he's horking, and he comes up to his dad because he won't celebrate. He won't celebrate his younger brother's coming back home. Because you know what he says? How dare you kill the fatted calf, put a ring on his finger and celebrate. Your son took all of his inheritance and blew it on prostitutes and blew it on all this stuff. What's wrong with you, dad? It's not fair. How can you celebrate? And the father said, my son, I've been with you always and everything I have is yours. Your son, your brother, was dead and now he's found. He was lost and now he's been found. He's alive. Let us celebrate. How many of us are the older son where we want to earn God's love? The older son thought he had it all. 
How many of us come to church because we think we got to earn God's love? That's a lie. And I would even say it's a sin. It's not... You can't earn the God's love. He gave it all to you freely through His Son, Jesus. That's why a lot of our spiritual lives, we don't want to pray, we don't want to go to Mass, or we don't want to go to confession, or we don't want to do anything like that because it's work. i got to work, man. i got to earn God's love. i got to prove myself. Look, Dad, look what I did. Look how well I pray. Look how I do. Look, look, look. And God doesn't, doesn't need you to, to prove. He don't need you to prove anything. He sent His Son to tell you this message. You're loved because you're loved, period. Not you're loved because you're good. You're loved because you do this. You're loved because you do that. The because messes everything up. You're loved, period. Hard period. Hard stop. Period. You're loved. And we have a hard time with that. You know why we have a hard time with being loved? Because we are. Because the world teaches you and I that you're loved because of how well you perform, how much money you make, how well you work, how well you don't work. What grades you get, what you get on your ACTs, what you do there, what you do here, how you look, how you don't look. What you wear, what you smell like, how good you are at sports, how bad you are at sports. That's how the world teaches us about love. That is not from God. And we need to come back in here. This is the treatment center. We come into this hospital wounded from that world that's hurt us all. And we're back in here and we're saying, we're going back out. And we're going to tell the whole world the good news. And the good news is, love is free. You don't need your credit card. Love is free. God says, I love you, period. And so what God just say to you at this Mass? I'll be in my confessional after Mass. If you want to come running to the Father, come. Don't be afraid. Come running back to the Father. I'm not going to scream at you. I'm not going to bite your ears off. I have my own sins. I always say, it would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if a priest could look in the mirror and say, I absolve you from your sins? I can't look in the mirror. I go to confession too. Come running back. And throw it all out there and let the Lord love you in a radical way. Radical. And the devil hates what I'm telling you. And you know it because he's going to be working on your minds right now. And he's going to be saying, ah, whatever. I'm going to clock in and clock out. That's easy to clock in and clock out. What's really exciting is living the faith. So I want you guys to go out and live it. Live it. Get comfortable being uncomfortable with family members and friends. And I'm not saying we should condemn or say anything like that. But invite. Be, be, be living invitations to people to come back to the heart of Jesus. So I'll pray for you. Pray for me. And let's let the Lord continue to move in power um, in our hearts and in our lives. As He celebrates His love for us. Like Mother Teresa did. Moses, Paul, each of us, myself, Deacon, the servers, the music ministry, all of y'all. So many ways. I'm not going to live my life half throttle or three-quarter throttle. I'm going to live full throttle. And that's just how I am and that's how I want to live. And I know you're designed to do the same. And we're going to be bumped around and knocked around at times. But don't give up. Keep on keeping on.